give me a um, sound check, please. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala nabiyya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in amma ba'd. So welcome to our, I think it is our 10th lesson of uh, QP year 3. And inshallah ta'ala, we're today still continuing with the tafsir of Surah Al-Qadr. Uh, and just before we get into the research question that we did last week, uh, let's go through some of what we discussed last week in terms of our lesson. So the first thing that we uh, we started with the tafsir of Surah Al-Qadr, which, is a, uh, which was the, the new surah that we began last week. So let's just go over it very, very quickly. In terms of uh, the introduction to this surah, we said that there are a number of names by which this surah is known in the books of tafsir and hadith. Can someone tell me how many names there are and what those names are as well, please? So how many names of that surah and what those names are? Three, uh, the names of the surah, Surah Al-Qadr, the names by which it is known, and what those names are. Right, so I mean the first one is a very easy one, so I'll, I'll give you that one, which is Surah Al-Qadr, right? We said that it's known by the name Surah Al-Qadr, and that's the name by which it is most commonly known uh, in our time as well. What are the two other names? There are two other names, so there were three in total. So Surah Al-Qadr was one. What other names were the surahs known by? Very good, Hasiya, very good, Maryam. Uh, Surah Al-Qadr, Laylat Al-Qadr, and Inna Anzalnahu. So Surah Al-Qadr, Surah Laylat Al-Qadr, and Surah Inna Anzalnahu. And these are the three names by which the surah is known. Uh, we also spoke about the issue of it being a Makki or Madani surah. So can someone just uh, briefly recap for us what we said concerning this surah in terms of its revelation, whether it's Makki or Madani? So what did we say last week concerning whether this surah is Makki or whether it is Madani? Okay, Solange, very good. Majority said it is Mecki. Maria, majority of scholars said it is Mecki. Right? And we said, remember, if you cast your minds back to last week, uh, we said that there is a difference of opinion. Some of the scholars said it is a Mecki surah, others said it is Madani. And you find amongst the scholars of Tafsir, those who said that the majority opinion was Mecki and others who said the majority opinion was Madani. What seems to be the case and uh, what seems to be more apparent and Allah Azza wa knows best is that it is a Mecki surah in the opinion of the majority. The majority of the scholars, especially of latter times anyway, uh, have chosen that the surah is a Makki surah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Um, and then we began with the tafsir of the surah itself, and we said that it consists of five verses, and we, we covered, uh, I think, the tafsir of, of the first verse last week. Uh, more or less, we had just a couple of things remaining, but generally, we spoke at the tafsir of the verse. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna anzalnahu, indeed we revealed it, we said that the it refers to the Qur'an, right? The it refers to the Qur'an. And we said that this was the opinion of the majority of the scholars with tafsir, the vast majority, to the extent that some of them, such as Al-Alusi, even said that there is ijma' and consensus upon 
that particular point because others from amongst them or there is another opinion available which is that it is referring to Jibreel alayhi salam that the ha the dhamir the ha the it is referring to Jibreel alayhi salam and we said that that is a weak opinion and one of the reasons why it is a weak opinion is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala within mention Jibreel alayhi salam explicitly uh, in verse number four and again that's something which will come to because again that is an issue of difference of opinion but generally that is the position of the majority of the scholars that the the it in inna anzalnahu indeed we revealed it the it refers to the quran the book of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, and then we said allah Azza when he says we revealed it we said that there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars as to what exactly is being referred to or meant by revelation what exactly is does revelation refer to here and we said that there were two bodies of opinions, two uh, views amongst the scholars of tafsir concerning what it's referring to. Can anyone remind us, please, of what those two opinions are, what those two views are? Amongst the scholars of tafsir. So when we speak about revelation, Allah says, indeed, we revealed it, that revelation. Exactly what is it referring to? The revelation of, of the Qur'an. Zubaira, very good. In the Quran, the first opinion, the Quran from Allah al-Mahfuz to Baytul Izzah, right? meaning to the lowest heaven. So that's the first opinion. We said that is the opinion that some of the scholars chose. It's mentioned as being the opinion of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma. So Allah Azza wa when he says we caused it to be revealed, meaning from the preserved tablet, the Allah al-Mahfuz to the lowest heaven. And that's the position, therefore, that was then told, chosen by Al-Imam Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala. And the second position, uh, as uh, Sumaira mentions, is that it's referring to the beginning of Wahi, the beginning of Revelation, meaning the first few verses of the Quran began. So the beginning of Revelation occurred on this night of Laylatul Qadr. So the, those first few verses of Surah Al-Alaq, which is the next Surah that we're going to be, inshallah ta'ala, making the tafsir after this Surah, that's what's being referred to. And we said that that was the position of some of the scholars, and in, in later times it was a position that was chosen by the likes of Sheikh uh, Abdul Rahman al-Sa'di and Sheikh and his student Sheikh al-Uthimeen alayhim rahmatullah. Then we also mention uh, a, a position of some scholars where they, uh, where they reconciliated or reconciled between those two views. Right? Reconciled between those two views. Can anyone tell me what that, what that reconciled view was and who, who amongst the scholars of Islam mentioned it? So we have those two views that you can see in front of you, Sumira is mentioning. That Sumira mentioned the Quran from Allah al-Mahfud to Baytul Izza, the beginning of Al-Wahi. Uh, Shakila, you kind of mentioned like the reconciled view. And that is that the Quran was sent down to the lowest heaven and then it was revealed from there. So the position of uh, the reconciled view, which is the position of Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, and also Ibn Hajar. Rahimahullah and Ashokani and others from amongst the scholars of Tafsir is that they said that the way that we reconcile between them is that we say that there is that the revelation of the Quran initially from the Lawh al Mahfud to the lowest heaven and from there 
Then over a span of 23 years, it would be revealed in stages to the Prophet ﷺ. The beginning of that process would be those first opening few verses of Surah Al-Alaqan. Therefore, we combine between the two positions that you find amongst the scholars of Tafsir. And that is, as we've said numerous times, a, the preferred methodology of making Tafsir where you can reconcile between those views, especially when they seem to be uh, opposed to one another. And so that is the position of Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, Ibn Hajar rahimahullah mentions it in Fathul Bari as well. Laylatul uh, Qadr, the, the name Laylatul Qadr, what does it refer to? Laylatul Qadr, right? What does it refer to? Can someone tell me? Because we mentioned, um, we mentioned, yes, so Atiyah Salim also preferred the opinion to reconcile. He mentioned it anyway, even though his teacher, as we said, Sheikh Shnaqiti rahimahullah ta'ala, chooses uh, a position. But Shaykh Atiyah Salim, he mentions the position of Ibn Taymiyyah. And Shaykh Atiyah Salim often does this in his portion of Tafsir, which is only the last few juz of the Quran. He often does this more than his teacher would. Rahimahullah Ta'ala. Sonanj, uh, very good. Power and honor. Right? So we said that there were two positions. Some of the scholars said that Qadr refers to uh, the decree, refers to the decree of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and therefore. Uh, the power of Allah Azzawajal in terms of the decree that, that's revealed to the earth, what Allah Azzawajal decrees for that coming year. And we said that the word Qadr can also mean in the Arabic language, which was the second position, a night of glory and of status and of honor. Right? And we said that Shaykh al-Thaymin said that it's possible to have both meanings and there's no reason why we can't have both meanings and Laylatul Qadr can refer to both because it is a night of honor and glory, but it is also the night in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes the decree of the next year to be sent down upon earth and Allah Azza wa knows best. So we finished at a, a question and the question that we finished with which was like uh, the question that I left you with to think over for the past week is um, the difference of opinion as to the date of Laylatul Qadr meaning how many opinions are there in terms of what is Laylatul Qadr or when is Laylatul Qadr right when is Laylatul Qadr so can someone just give me a brief uh, thing, please, of what um, what we we have in terms of how many opinions there were, right? How many opinions, and preferably if you manage to find who said that position, or, or even a reference for that position, that would have been preferred. So what do we have? Can someone um, just type it in here and let me know what we have? So how many differences of opinion? How many differences of opinion with regards to Laylatul Qadr? How many dates? Okay, so I, I want, um, yeah, okay, exactly. But I, what I wanted was I wanted uh, a, a number, right? So you found, for example, 20 different opinions on this issue. You found 10 opinions on this issue. You found 100 opinions on this issue. So I didn't necessarily want you to list them down for me. I wanted the, the number that you, that you had 
Um, I don't know if, if, if on the Telegram group there is uh, an answer on there. Unfortunately, I don't have access to it at the moment. So, um, okay, so in that case, let me let me go through what I, uh, what I find. And the reason why I wanted to mention this is because if you had actually gone through, um, if, you, if you go through different books and you look through different sources, you will find that there is a difference of opinion even on this issue as to what is the difference of opinion on Laylatul Qadr. So it's one that you will find actually that even they even disagree as to how many opinions there are on this issue. So for example, uh, Al-Hafidh Al-Iraqi, Ta'ala, the famous scholar of Hadith, who has his famous poetry on the Al-Fiyat Al-Iraqi, the thousand odd verses of, of, of poetry on, on, on the science of Hadith, he said that in this position or in this issue, there are 25 different positions, 25 different opinions, 25, 25, to show you how much difference of opinion that is. But then, uh, that's not as much as Ibn Hajar Ta'ala, who said that on this issue there is 46 different opinions. So nearly double what uh, Al-Hafidh Al-Iraqi mentioned. So 46 different opinions. And obviously there is, you know, the way that they count this will be one of the reasons why there is such a large dis- discrepancy between the two. What you count as an opinion and what you don't count as an opinion and, and how you, you kind of categorize that will in itself make a, a difference. But Al-Imam Al-Suyuti Ta'ala uh, went uh, a step further and he said that there are 50 different opinions over this and the reason why I asked you concerning that is just to show you that some issues there is a major difference of opinion it is it is something which you will see different many many different views now often what will be the case is when it comes to something like that uh, there will be there will be a number of those opinions that are more easily dismissed because they are not very very well supported by uh, evidence and so on and a similar issue you know for those of you that are interested in this kind of stuff um, is the position of or the issue of uh, what is the minimum number of people required for a Jumu'ah prayer for a Friday prayer so what is the minimum number of people you need in order to pray Jumu'ah right and you will find again this is an issue where there is a vast difference of opinion amongst the scholars and numbers range from you know like two all the way into the hundreds right and they have different opinions for that and they have different reasonings for it. And so some are easier to accept and some are easier to dismiss. And this is an issue which you'll find also in, in the books of Tafsir because often in the books of Tafsir, they mention the positions of fiqh and they mention the different opinions and so on. And so you have to be able to, and not just necessarily because they're fiqh issues, even amongst scholars of Tafsir, you will have issues where you will see a difference of opinion uh, or numerous opinions concerning a particular issue of what that verse is referring to, what that word is referring to, what that terminology is referring to. And so as a student of knowledge and a student of tafsir, you have to be able to understand why there is such a difference of opinion, number one, and then have some kind of methodology to sort between those views. So for example, some issues are slightly easier in terms of being dismissed, meaning because the position behind them or the the evidence behind them isn't very strong, right? Whereas others require others require more more analysis and more study because there are ahadith that seem to intimate that or there are verses of the Quran that may seem to suggest that and so they are stronger in terms of that position. So we have Al-Iraqi saying 25, we have Ibn Hajar saying 46, we have As-Suyuti alayhim rahmatullahi jami'an saying 50 different opinions on this issue. But for our purposes, we will discuss this in, in, in a briefer way. We won't speak about 50 different views, but we will speak about the most common amongst them and why, and, and, and point to, uh, to some extent as to why there is this difference of opinion. Uh, Al-Imam Al-Baghawi rahimahullah ta'ala uh, he mentions this in his tafsir and he goes through this in some detail in his tafsir. Uh, 
and he says that the and, and generally the reason why it goes back to is because we know that there is no authentic explicit narration so authentic and explicit so there are a number of authentic narrations concerning Laylatul Qadr but an authentic and explicit narration that exclusively pinpoints the night of Laylatul Qadr we don't have anything similar to that and because no such text exists that's why you have such a major difference of opinion because if there was something that existed or even close to existing in that regard then you wouldn't see such a difference of opinion as an a varied number of opinions as you see here so an imam al-baghabi rahimahullah ta'ala uh, mentions some of them and just to give you some of the range of opinions that you have one of them is that it was laylatul qadr only uh, was only present in the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and after the Prophet ﷺ passed away, it was lifted. It was lifted, right? And so that's something which uh, is an opinion, right? Even though the vast majority of the scholars of Islam and the companions and others are of the position that it continues until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And, and clearly that is the stronger position and it's what the Qur'an and the Sunnah clearly supports in numerous hadith and numerous narrations of the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, and an example of that is... Uh, is that a man once came to Abu Hurairah and he said that some people claim that the Laylatul Qadr has been lifted. So he said, they have lied those who have said this. So I said, is it in every month that I will find it? And he said, yes. Right. So we take two opinions from that narration in and of itself. Number one is that there's a position that some people did have that Laylatul Qadr was lifted. It was only present in the time of the Prophet Another one that it's something which occurs more regularly. It's not even once a year, but it seems to be more frequently than that. Another opinion that is mentioned also is that it is that it, that it can occur at any night of the year. So it's not restricted to Ramadan. It's not restricted to the last 10 nights of Ramadan. It can occur at any time of the year, any night of the year. And that's reported as being the position of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiyallahu an, that it can occur at any time of the years. It's said that Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiyallahu an said, whoever spends every night awake in prayer, meaning he prays a portion of every single night, then without doubt they will attain Laylatul Qadr. When Abdullah bin Umar radiyallahu anhumah heard this, he said, may Allah azza wa jal have mercy upon Abu Abdurrahman. Abu Abdurrahman is the kunya of Abdullah bin Mas'ud. May Allah have mercy upon him. He knows that it is in Ramadan, but he doesn't want people to become lazy for the rest of the year. He doesn't want people just to become reliant on, in worship in the month of Ramadan. Right? But that is a position, therefore, that you will find also among some of the scholars that they chose that position because it seems to be, at the very least, uh, what is what is apparently being mentioned by Abdullah bin Mas'ud. Uh, Sumer is asking, on what basis did Imam al-Baghabi make this deduction? Narrations from companions? Yes. So these are all the different narrations that he mentions within his, within his tafsir, right? And and he doesn't. And this isn't the most extensive thing that you will find. If you really want to go into detail in this kind of stuff, then you need to go back to like Ibn Hajj's Fath al-Bari or some of the works of Imam al-Suyuti and others, where they will actually go into it in far greater detail. So what Imam al-Baghabi and others do for the purpose of tafsir is mention it in, in, in somewhat briefly in the sense that they're not going to go through all of the narrations because it's not a book of hadith. Tafsir isn't like where they're gathering all of the narrations of hadith. The majority of the scholars though, uh, so we have those like kind of positions just to show you that they, that they exist and that's why you have numerous views on this issue. But the majority of the scholars settled on it being in the month of Ramadan. They settled on 
on Laylatul Qadr being in the month of Ramadan, exclusively in the month of Ramadan. But then they amongst themselves, that majority then differed concerning when that night of Laylatul Qadr is in the month of Ramadan. So for example, you have the position of Abu Razin al-Uqaydi radiyallahu an, one of the companions who said that it's on the first night of Ramadan. So the first night of Ramadan, he said, is Laylatul Qadr. And Al-Hassan Al-Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala, the famous scholar said that it is on the 17th of Ramadan, the 17th night of Ramadan, because that was the night of Laylatul Badr. That is the night of the Battle of Badr. Right? And again, you can see when we were speaking about when you're trying to sift between these different views and narrations and you see the reasoning and the evidence used by certain scholars for their positions, it is easier to take some and easier to dismiss some. So for example, Hassan al-Basri ta'ala saying it's because of the night of Laylatul Badr in and of itself, uh, you know, isn't like the strongest evidence. It's not a hadith, it's not a verse of the Quran, it's not, it is something which in and of itself isn't the strongest. And it's similar to the example that I gave you of those scholars who said concerning the minimum number of people that you need in order to pray Salatul Jumu'ah, uh, some of them said 313 or whatever. They said it is the number of the people, of the companions who were present in the Battle of Badr. And again, that is being based on something, but it's not really being based on a strong evidence from the Quran or from the Sunnah. However, the majority of the scholars, even amongst those, so then the majority of the scholars said that it is in Ramadan. The majority of those who said that it is in Ramadan said that it is in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. And that's because the ahadith that we do have uh, that are more explicit than others seem to point towards this, that it is in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. And from them is the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha that she said, and it's in Al-Bukhari, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to wait or used to spend the last 10 nights of Ramadan awake, meaning he would make i'tikaf and he would pray and he would spend those nights awake and he would say, look and seek seek out Laylatul Qadr in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. He would say, seek out Laylatul Qadr in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. In another narration, Sahih Muslim, this time also of Aisha, radiyallahu anha, she said that the Prophet sallallahu wasallam used to put in more effort in the last 10 nights of Ramadan than he would, he would do at any other, t- any other time of the year. So the last 10 nights of Ramadan are the nights that he would spend most of his, of his, uh, energy in terms of ibad, in terms of worship and so on and similar to that narration is the famous narration that I think most of us are probably familiar with we've come across before is the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam when the last 10 nights of Ramadan would enter he would uh, tighten his belt meaning he would put in more effort he would spend his nights awake and he would wake up his family sallallahu alayhi wasallam and that is why the majority, because of these narrations, the majority of the scholars of tafsir and hadith and other than that fiqh, they chose the position that it would be in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. But then they differed as to which of those last 10 nights as well. And so we can see that this is an issue which, as you break it down further and further, there is a difference of opinion. And the reason why there is a difference of opinion is because of numerous authentic narrations that exist. Each one of them is authentic and each one of them seem to say something slightly different. From them is what is mentioned in a Tirmidhi, uh, the narration of Abu Bakr radiallahu an, that he said, uh, he was asked about Laylatul Qadr and he said that I will only seek it based upon what I heard from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and that is in the last 10 nights. For I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam say, seek out Laylatul Qadr in the last 10 nights, in the last 10 nights, either when there are 
nine, nine, nine nights left or seven or five or three or one, meaning in the odd nights of the last 10. So the 21st, the 23rd, the 25th, the 27th, the 29th of Ramadan. And similar to it is the, is the narration al-Bukhari of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu an, who narrates from Ubadat ibn Samit radiyallahu an, who said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam came out one night to uh, mention to us the night of Laylatul Qadr. But he found two men arguing. And so he became distracted with the argument and he dealt with it. And then he said that I came out to teach you and to tell you and inform you of when Laylatul Qadr is. But then I found so and so and so and so arguing and their voices were raising uh, were, were raised because of their argument argument and debate and so perhaps there is goodness in this because the prophet is saying that i forgot then which night i was told perhaps there is good in this so seek it out in the in the uh, 23rd and 25th and 27th and 29th right and so the prophet وسلم, again is giving people those options and that's why therefore you have all of those views amongst the scholars of tafsir that it's on the 21st or some said 23rd, some said 25th, some said 27th, some said 29th, right? And some said it can be on any of those odd nights. So from those positions then that we also have therefore is then scholars who chose specific nights, right? Or companions who chose specific nights and said this is the night of Laylatul Qadr, right? And from those positions is that it is the 21st of Ramadan. And this is reported as being the position of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, radiyallahu anhu and it's based on a hadith on a hadith that is collected in Bukhari and Muslim and that is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that, the, that Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was making itikaf in the 10 middle days of Ramadan the 10 middle days of Ramadan so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did that until it was the 21st night meaning that now he's finished the 10 middle days of Ramadan and then it was the night upon which he was due to come out of itikaf Right, because he's doing the, the the ten, and so now he's meant to be coming out for the last ten nights. But instead, the Prophet said to us, "Whosoever made itikaf with me so far, then let him continue for the last ten nights as well. For verily, I was shown the night of Laylatul Qadr, and then I was made to forget it. But I saw that I would be making sajda in the morning of this night, so at the time of Fajr or after Fajr of the night of Laylatul Qadr, I saw that I would be making sajda in water." And in mud, meaning that it would be a night that would rain, and I would make sajda upon, in in therefore in water and in mud, and so f- look for it in the last ten nights, and look for it in the odd nights of the last ten, and that is the hadith in al-Bukhari Muslim. Where do we get then that it's the twenty-first? Why is that the position of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiAllahu an? Because Abu Sa'id radiAllahu an says, and so it rained that night, meaning of the twenty-first, and I saw the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam with my own eyes, as he left from the masjid that his forehead and his nose were covered with water and with mud. And that was on the night of the 21st. And so that's why he chose that position because the Prophet ﷺ told him the sign to look out for. And so he saw that sign and he says that that was the 21st night of Ramadan and that is the narration in Bukhari and Muslim. right? And again, this is why you have such a strong difference of opinion because these aren't weak narrations. They're not fringe narrations. They're not a narration where there is a difference of opinion as to whether it's authentic or not. These are narrations that are in al-Bukhari and Muslim and these types of collections of hadith. Another position is that it is in the 23rd night of Ramadan. And that is also a position of some of the companions and it's based on a, a, a narration collected in, in the uh, Sahih of Ibn Khuzayma. But Abdullah ibn Unais said that his father said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
spoke about it, spoke about Laylatul Qadr. And he said, and he defined for me, or he pinpointed for me, Laylatul Qadr, because I asked him to tell me of a night that I could find Laylatul Qadr so that I can pray that night. And he said to me, look for it on the 23rd night. And if you find the 23rd, then spend that night awake in prayer. Right? Find that night, then stay that night awake in prayer. And so therefore he chose the position, and some of the scholars chose the position based upon this narration, that it is the 23rd night of Ramadan. And you have, you know, you, you will find a position for the 24th night, and the 25th night, and the 29th night, and so on. Each one of them will have a narration of hadith. The most common one that you will find in terms of opinions amongst us, you know, the one that most uh, average Muslims hold and believe, and for some reason they, 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 they stick to it. And it is, to be fair, a position of a number of, companions and scholars so it's not a fringe opinion again but it seems to be the one that's become predominant in, in many Muslim communities and that is the position of Laylatul Qadr being on the 27th night of Ramadan and again it's something which there is a basis in the Sunnah from right there is a basis and there is a scholarly basis for it as well and I think sometimes therefore it is important that when we see people doing something we shouldn't just dismiss it outright. I remember a time when people would dismiss the 27th night of Ramadan as being Laylatul Qadr. They used to think that it's just something which the awam, the general masses, just do because of some cultural belief or some tradition or something that they learned from their forefathers and so on. Sometimes that is the case in certain things that our communities and our parents and our family members do. It's based on tradition or culture or something that they've just inherited without necessarily there being a scholarly basis for it. But that's not always the case. Sometimes there is genuinely something that people have found in the Sunnah and it's something which people have, and then for one reason or another it's become predominant, right? It's become a dominant view for one reason or another and Allah Azza wa knows best for what reason exactly, but sometimes that happens. And this is an example of that. Uh, this example of the 27th night of Ramadan being the night of Laylatul Qadr is the position of Ali radiallahu anhu. It said this is the position of Aisha radiallahu anha. It said that it's the position of Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiallahu anhu, the famous companion, all of them famous companions. In what is collected in Sahih Muslim, Zir ibn Hubaysh rahimahullah is one of the scholars of the Tabi'een, a senior scholar from amongst the Tabi'een and a prolific narrator of hadith. He says that I said to Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiallahu anhu, and as we know, Ubay ibn Ka'ab is not just a, uh, a, a companion, senior, from amongst the senior companions of the Ansar, but is known for his knowledge of the Qur'an, right? And he's the one that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he spoke about Surah Al-Bayyina, and he's the one the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi is told to go and recite this Surah too. Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiallahu an, he was asked by the scholar Zir ibn Hubaysh, he said, the scholar said to him, O oh, Abu al-Mundhir, his kunya is Abu al-Mundhir, tell me about Laylatul Qadr, which night is Laylatul Qadr? For indeed, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an says that it can occur at any time of the year. Any time of the year you can find Laylatul Qadr, meaning you seek it out every night of the year. So Bay ibn Ka'ab radiallahu an said, May Allah azza wa jal have mercy upon Abu Abdurrahman. For indeed, he knows that Laylatul Qadr is only in the month of Ramadan, but he fears that people will become lazy and dependent upon the month of Ramadan in terms of their worship. By the one who revealed the Quran to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, indeed it is the 27th night of Ramadan. And he pinpoints the 27th night of Ramadan. We said to him, O oh, Abu al-Mundir, how do you know this? He said, because of a sign that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam informed us of. A sign meaning the sign that you look out for, one of the signs of Laylatul Qadr. He says, by Allah, I will never forget that sign. So we asked Zir, what sign did he give you? He said that on the morning 
after Laylatul Qadr, when the sun rises, they, the sun does not have rays. You don't have strong rays in the sun, meaning of the sunlight. And so he says, and so Ibn, Ibn uh, Ubay ibn Khab radiallahu anhu is saying that this is something which he found to occur on the 27th night of Ramadan. The point of all of this being is that there is a, as you can see, a major difference of opinion amongst the scholars. You have certain opinions that it is easier to dismiss, but certain opinions that there is a basis for companions held that opinion and, and that view, and it's based upon something which they heard or which they deduced from something which the Prophet said. Right? And so these positions that we're mentioning are positions that you can't just discount the 27th night of Ramadan, the 25th night of Ramadan, the 23rd, the 21st, and so on and so forth. However, many of the later scholars especially, and the scholars who are considered what we call the muhaqqiqun, right? those scholars who come and they look at those different texts and they gather all of them together and they judge them and they try to reconcile between them and so on, the position amongst the majority of them is that it can occur at any of the last 10 nights of Ramadan and not only that but that it changes every year and that is how they reconcile between these narrations so the narration of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu an when he saw the Prophet prostrating in water and in mud that was the 21st night of Ramadan that year Raylatul Qadr was on the 21st night of Ramadan and the narration of Ubay ibn Ka'b radiallahu an when he's when he sees something and it's the 27th night of Ramadan, that year it was the 27th night of Ramadan when it happened with the Prophet And when the Prophet is asked to define which point it is in that year, that's later to Qadr, and he says, look for the 23rd night, that year it was the 23rd night. However, the way that you join between them and reconcile between them is that every year it can switch and change. So just because it's 27th one year doesn't mean that it's the 27th every year. And likewise the 21st or 23rd or 25th or 29th. In fact, it can even be on, uh, you know, the, the, those scholars will say that it is safer, even though it is more likely to be in the odd nights, it is safer for you to worship for all of the 10 nights. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ would make i'tikaf for all of the 10 nights, the last 10 nights of Ramadan. Right? And he wouldn't just choose to make i'tikaf on the odd nights, but he would do so for all of the 10 nights. And this was a position that Imam al-Nawawi mentioned. He said that this is what is clear and what is apparent. And he said, and that is because of so many ahadith that seemingly conflict. And the only way to reconcile between them is to take this position. And so this is an important principle of methodology. When you have so many authentic ahadith that conflict, it is impossible. Right? It is impossible that they can all be right. You can't always be 27th every year. Because then what about those ahadith about the 21st, the 23rd? Either we say they're weak, or we say that they were mistaken, or we say we have to have some reasoning for them. So the scholars, because many of them are similar in terms of in terms of their authenticity level, in terms of not knowing if one has abrogated or another, there's no way of, of having and the scholars in Surah Al-Fiqh have a whole list of things that they do to see whether we take all of them or take some of them or take and some are stronger or some are weaker. The position of many of these scholars was that in this case it's not possible. And so therefore the way that you make jam and reconcile is that you use all of them. And the general principle in a surah al-fiqh and also therefore a principle in a surah tafsir is when you have numerous narrations and you can use them all, you must do so as opposed to ignoring some for the benefit of others. Because to ignore some, you need a position, you need a reason why. It has to be based on a principle, a methodology. You can't just choose to ignore what you want or what you don't want. There has to be a methodology. And so uh, these scholars who came later said that this was the position. And this was the position also chosen by Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullahu 
ta'ala. He said that some of the scholars pinpointed the night of Laylatul Qadr in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. He said, but what is correct is that it is in the last 10 nights and that it changes from year to year. Al-Hafidh al-Iraqi, after mentioning the 20-odd uh, opinions that he, that he mentions, that he said that these uh, the, the views of Laylatul Qadr, he said, and some of the scholars, he said a group of the scholars went to the position that it changes every year. The, the Laylatul Qadr changes every year. So one year it will be on one night and in the following year it will be on a different night and so on and so forth. And he said, and this is what Ibn Abi Shayba ta'ala mentioned in his Musannaf as being the position of Abu Qilaba. It is the position of Imam Malik, Sufyan al-Thawri. It is the position of Imam Ahmad and Ishaq ibn Rahawi and Abu Thawn and many of them. He said Ibn Abd al-Bar, ta'ala, the famous Maliki scholar, he said that he even said that this was the position of Imam al-Shafi'i. He said even though Imam al-Shafi'i doesn't explicitly state this, but it is no doubt that it was the position of some of his of his close students such as Al-Muzani and Ibn Khuzayma and others. And it was the position that Imam al-Nawawi ta'ala, chose. And obviously, as we know, Al-Imam Al-Nawi is one of the greatest scholars of the Shafi'i Madhab. And it was a position also chosen by Ibn Taymiyyah, Al-Iraqi says, because this position is the one that allows you to reconcile between all of the narrations. And it allows you to bring them together. Otherwise, the differences between them are so great that it is very difficult to do so in any other way. And Al-Imam Ibn Hajar Ta'ala, said, that the strongest of all of those opinions is that it is in the odd nights of the last 10 and that it changes from year to year and that is how we understand all of these narrations that you find in this particular uh, in this particular chapter and from our time Sheikh bin Baz and Sheikh al amongst many other scholars have also chosen this view and Imam al-Baghawi because we began with Imam al-Baghawi and what he said in his tafsir just to conclude with Imam al-Baghawi ta'ala also he says and in conclusion, he says, Rahimallah ta'ala, in conclusion, this is a night that Allah Azza wa Jal did not pinpoint for us. He didn't tell us the exact night that it would be so that people would spend and expend their efforts and time in worship in this month of Ramadan in hope of being able to find this night due to its virtue and due to its blessing and reward. Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also didn't tell us concerning the hour that is, that the du'as are answered in on Friday. So we know on Friday there's a time that du'as are answered. Likewise, Allah didn't pinpoint, the Prophet didn't give us the exact time. So the scholars differed widely over this issue. And that is because Allah wants us to worship Him more on Friday and to spend more time and effort worshipping Him. And just as He says, this is Imam Baghavi saying this, and just as we don't know what is the middle prayer from the five prayers, because as we will come to see, inshallah, when we come to that relevant verse, there, are, there is also a difference of opinion in that, even though many of the scholars are of the position that it is Salatul Asr. But there is a difference of opinion also. He says, and again, so that people would preserve all of the five prayers. And just like we don't know what is the greatest name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is his ismul a'zam, so that we would use all of Allah Azzawajal's names in terms of worshipping him and in terms of, uh, in terms of performing issues of obedience to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. So likewise, when it comes to this particular hour, or this particular night in Ramadan, Allah also kept that knowledge with him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think that that is something which is a very nice uh, conclusion to this discussion because it shows that Allah it is a hikmah that he has subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that hikmah, by not telling people what it is there for, is more realized than in the position that we've chosen as Imam al-Nawi and others have said. And that is when you have to search for every night because if everyone knows it's on the 27th that we, we have the situation that many of us have in our local masajid, wherein those 
last couple of nights of Ramadan, the masjid will be packed. Right? And people that sometimes don't even come for the rest of Ramadan will turn out on the 27th night. And that is good in the sense that they want to come out and they understand the importance of that night and they want to worship Allah Azza wa But it is also sad in the sense that they will, are willing to sacrifice the rest of the month because they have chosen a position that may or may not necessarily be correct. I know that there's a few comments and there's a few questions on this which I'll I'll speak about but because this was kind of related to verse number one I want to just go through a couple more verses insha'Allah uh, or at least uh, okay let's do some questions then and then insha'Allah we'll, we'll, we'll carry on just so that we can finish off this particular point um, okay assalamu alaikum Sheikh so Khan Nur is saying I have questions regarding the narrations of Laylatul Qadr last week when we critiqued hadith in particular the rewards of seeming far greater than the deed there is a hadith narrated by Ka'ab regarding offering four rak'ahs uh, prayers after Isha. The reward would be equivalent to that of praying in Laylatul Qadr. I believe it is recorded in Sunan Nasa'i. Can you elucidate on its veracity? I would have to check this um, this particular narration. Uh, as I said, I don't. Uh, we don't know of any like the, what I mentioned last week from the from the statements of the scholars of hadith is that there is no authentic hadith concerning the uh, the um, the surah, that's what we're referring to in terms of the virtues of reciting the surah. So what you're mentioning is different, right? And that would would come to the virtue of reading the salah or reading the four rak'ahs after Isha. That's a different issue. So let's not get confused between the two. It is important to be precise and accurate in the way that we state these things. So there is a difference between what we were speaking about and what this narration, even if it is authentic, will speak about. And inshallah, uh, if, I, if I remember, inshallah, I will look into this further. And that is the, the position of the scholars that we were mentioning last week is that there is nothing authentic regarding the virtue of reading this surah. So for example, if you read surah Laylatul Qadr, uh, surah Al Qadr, you get X amount of reward. Or if you read it so many times, you get X amount of reward. That's what we were referring to. So there is a difference between the recitation of the surah and the rewards that may be attached to it as opposed to something else which may give the reward of the worship of Laylatul Qadr which is the worship of a thousand months right that may be possible but again it's something which I will which I will have to look at and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best but just so that we don't conflate the two issues there are two separate points uh, Basira is saying Sheikh what was was the night blessed because the Quran came down within it or was it already blessed before this no the night was blessed because um, because it is the night of Laylatul Qadr and from its blessing is that the Quran was revealed into it and that brings us I mean it's not something which we're going to go into uh, for our discussion but it's uh, a discussion that you will find in the books of uh, in the books of knowledge and that is whether Laylatul Qadr existed before the Prophet وسلم, before our Sharia or is it something which was specific to the time of the Prophet So therefore, if we say that it's specific to the Prophet then without doubt, part of its blessed blessedness comes from the revelation of the Qur'an. But if we hold the position that actually no, Laylatul Qadr always existed, even before our Sharia, every, even for the, the previous Prophets, there was Laylatul Qadr and it's something which they, you know, which they were aware of and it was something which was present in their time and so on, then Clearly, it doesn't necessarily have to do with it being uh, the revelation of the Quran that makes it blessed, but rather it was a blessed night, and Allah Azza wa Jalla chose it because of its blessed nature to be the starting point of the revelation of the Quran. But that this question therefore goes back to that issue as to whether 
Laylatul Qadr existed or not before, and there is a difference of opinion, as you can imagine, amongst the scholars, because they don't have any authentic narration, which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or Allah in the Quran mentions it in that context, and Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala knows best. Hanifa being the dates change year to year, one can still say it's the same night as the one during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Uh, yeah, possibly, yeah. So we can say, for example, if, if what you mean by that is uh, that in the time of the Prophet it was it was once on a 21st night and once it was on the 23rd and once it was on the 27th and so on, then yeah, it's possible. If that's what you refer to, then yes, we can say that it was just as in the time of the Prophet wasallam. also. Uh, Sumeru, did any, any narration ever indicate an even night from the last 10 nights as opposed to an odd night? Yes. So there is a position of the scholars that it's the 24th night, for example. There are narrations concerning that as well from some of the companions and some of the early scholars. And so um, the, the hadith that I've mentioned to you and the narrations are probably the most common right, and the most, uh, most uh, well-known. And that's why I chose them because our purpose wasn't really to go through like the 50-odd narrations because that would take, you know, that's a different discussion and it's for a different type of, of class. Um, but I just wanted you to see the, the width and breadth of difference that you find on this particular issue. Uh, Solange changes annually before most likely one of the odd nights of Ramadan amongst the ten, last ten nights of Ramadan, yes. So that is a position. Uh, some of the scholars would, would go a step further than what you've mentioned there and say it is on the last ten nights, the, 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 the odd nights of the last ten. It is on the odd nights of the last ten and that's because there are a number of narrations that seem to uh, show that as well and, and without doubt the more uh, well-known and authentic narrations always seem to point to it being an odd night. So whether that's the 21st, the 23rd, the 25th, the 27th, the 29th, it always seems to be pointing towards it being an odd night, right? But the position of the scholars, let's be very clear on this, folks, that if we want to be on the safe position, right, the safe position being that we want to attain Laylatul Qadr, and we're going to do our utmost to do that, then you would worship all last, all of the last 10 nights of Ramadan and you wouldn't leave it to chance and you wouldn't leave it to, oh, you know what, maybe we didn't see the moon, right? Or maybe like there was an issue with the, the, the start of Ramadan or the ending of Ramadan. All of those types of issues that we normally get that always cause problems and so on and so forth. The easiest way for you to be at, at peace with yourself and, and, you know, like confident, inshallah ta'ala, that you've definitely attained Ramadan, uh, the Laylatul Qadr in Ramadan, is that you would worship Allah Azza wa Jal throughout the month of Ramadan anyway, but especially in the last 10 nights of Ramadan, right? And you wouldn't miss a night and you wouldn't, you know, put all of your chips in. And and so where, where does this kind of discussion bear fruit for our time now? In my view, and Allah Azza wa knows best, is in your, if you're in the position or in the case of you're in a situation where you can't worship Allah all last 10 nights of Ramadan because of work or because of some emergency or because of whatever the reasoning may be, it's not possible for you. So now I can't do all last 10 nights of Ramadan. I have to choose. Can I do one night on and one night off? Yes, that's something which I can do. That's something which, which I can do. I can't do all 10, but I can do 5 out of 10. So therefore, which 5 will I choose? I will choose the odd nights because it is most likely to be that. Okay, now I can't even do the last 5. Right? I can do maybe 2 or 3. So now I have to choose. So I would choose the 27th because that's a strong hadith. Right, it's in Bukhari and Muslim. And then maybe I'll choose the 21st because that's a strong hadith also. And so I will choose 2 or 3 based on that. Or I can only do 1 then maybe if I can only choose one, I would choose 27th, right? That's where this discussion comes into, where you're in that position where you need to choose, right? But what you don't find, even amongst those companions, like Abu Sa'id or Ubay ibn Ka'ab, or you know, as we can see, as Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anh says, 
from his knowledge and his understanding and his awareness of the situation of the Muslims, what we often tend to do then is we kind of put all of our eggs into one basket, right? We put all of our chips into one pot and we just rely on that. So it's the 27th, so therefore I will kind of ignore everything else. Right? And that's exactly what we don't want to be doing, right? That's exactly what the Sharia doesn't want us to do. Nor does Allah want us to do because it goes against the whole point of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and putting in that extra time and effort, especially in a blessed time such as the month of Ramadan. So these discussions are good because they're good in terms of you as a student of knowledge now, as a Muslim, as someone who wants to worship Allah but you know now that I can't do it all because my circumstances don't allow, based upon knowledge I will make a decision. I know now how to, and that's what knowledge does, it gives you that confidence that even in those difficult situations where you can't do the optimal, you can't do what is what is, what is is best, I will take plan B, but that plan B will be based on knowledge, it will be based on research, it will be based on what I think is, is a stronger position and so on. That's what we want from people, right? That's what we want to be as Muslims in our worship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how we want to be as students of knowledge as well. And therefore, when someone comes to me and says, I can only do one night in Ramadan. I can't do any other night because of my situation. Whatever that situation is, it's impossible. To give me one night, I would say, okay, I give you X night. And the reason why I give you X night is because of this narration that you will find in this collection of hadith. And it's a position that a number of companions and scholars chose. Right? That's now based on something. You have the confidence in the answer that you gave. That person has confidence in the answer that you gave to them. Right? But... That's in that situation. If that's not the case, if your situation isn't that, if you're someone, for example, who can take holidays for the last 10 nights of Ramadan easily and it's not going to affect you for the rest of the year, it's not going to mess up your program, or it's something which you can, which you can, you know, you have the ability to spend those nights awake in Ramadan and especially, for example, going to the masjid and praying taraweeh and spending a good portion of that night and it won't adversely affect you, then no doubt that's what you should be doing anyway, right? That is the whole point of what what this what Laylatul Qadr is about and the last 10 nights of Ramadan and everything that we have from the practice of the Prophet and from those companions themselves even though they may have chosen a position you can be assured and you can be 100% certain that they weren't just you know putting up their feet for the other 10 or 9 nights in the last 10 of Ramadan they were people who were worshipping Allah every single night but I know that maybe my position is that one night is going to be Laylatul Qadr that doesn't mean that they neglect the other nights of Ramadan. And so sometimes when we have these discussions, our outcome of that discussion is very different to the way those early scholars used to understand these issues and how the outcome would be for them. For us, it's an either or. For them, no, it's like I'm going to work 100%. On that night, it will be 110%. I will give that slightly more extra effort on that night. But every other night will still be an amazing amount of ibadah and worship and pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For us though, unfortunately in our time, it's I will work on that night. For every other night I will chill and I will relax and it's not such a big deal and so on because that night is worth a thousand months anyway and therefore if you've got a thousand months, why do I need to work? And so that's the way we think and that's the way the shaitan has played with our minds now and that is definitely because of a lack of understanding of how the sharia works and understanding how the companions and the scholars used to choose their positions and what basis it's upon. Right? And what you will find is often those 
positions, especially in issues like this, doesn't diminish from their ibadah, doesn't take away from that aspect of their worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore it's something which I think uh, you know, needs to be borne in mind, especially if you're going to be teaching something like this, you're going to be mentioning these different views, because people don't understand it otherwise. Right? And people think, oh no, you know, these companions said X, and therefore that's a position I will take and forget everything else. And they don't see how the companions used to take that knowledge and how they would work that with that knowledge and what the outcome of that knowledge would be for them. And Allah Azza wa knows best. Hasiyah, uh, can it be different for different locations in the same year? I haven't come across that position, to be honest, that it would be different for different locations. So, for example, in the UK, it's the 21st, in, in America, it's the 23rd, in, in Portugal, it's the 25th, and so on. I don't know, and, and that doesn't seem to be a strong opinion either, because the night, for especially for everyone that has the same night in the world, then it would be that night. Why, why would it change from place to place? And Allah Azza wa knows best. Solange is empty on the 28th, 29th, especially the 30th night, right? And and that is, you know, the, the, the reality of what we see in our time, where, you know, like, uh, I don't know how it is in, in Canada or in other places, but in the UK, the first two, three, four nights, the masjids are very busy. You know, people want to come in. They have that extra sense of, of enthusiasm and zeal and energy. And also people want to hear the recitation of the Quran, or maybe they have a new recite in their masjid. People are curious. They want to try different places, different massages. By night five, six, seven, you know, the masjids are getting getting quieter and quieter. By the middle of Ramadan is when they're at their quietest. And and then they will start slowly start to pick up by the 21st night, slowly, slowly. But it is, it is on the 27th night that you will see everyone coming in, right? And that's because, again, you know, that's why most masjids will do their fundraiser on the 27th night because they know better than anyone how to hold other people hostage in that way as well. So it's the 27th night and then, yeah, 28th maybe, 29th depends, some people like the finishing of the Qur'an, if, if you're in a masjid where they complete the Qur'an, if you're not in a masjid where they complete the Qur'an, then it probably doesn't make a difference, but some people where you have a finishing of the Qur'an will come back for that as well, because they consider that to be also an auspicious occasion as well. So you definitely have that, right? and again, that's the kind of mindset way which we have now trained ourselves and, and Muslims to kind of have. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our affairs easy. Uh, Sumira, the opinion of Imam al-Baghawi offered where it was restricted only to the era of the Prophet was that based upon a narration of a companion? No, not that I know of. But he mentions it as a, as a narration mentioned to a companion, which is Abu Hurairah which shows that it was a position that some people were saying, whether it was just a statement that they had, I haven't come across a companion who held that opinion, and Allah knows best, but it seems to be something which the people of that time had said anyway, in the time of Abu Hurairah. So it's possible that therefore it became a you know, something which people had heard and so they wanted it to be checked. But I haven't come across that as a position of, um, and it's not the position of the vast majority anyway. Uh, but maybe that's a good research question. If someone wants to look into further into, uh, if they can find the name to that, you can go to, for example, Ali Raqi's book and Fathul Bari of Ibn Hajar and others and see if you can find a name as to who uh, might have held that position. And Allah knows best. I was told that we were given this night because our lives are shorter than much earlier generations and thus we are disadvantaged. Is this legitimate? We're going to come on to that, inshallah. So we're going to come on to that um, and, and the position of some of the scholars who said that and what that's based upon. Inshallah ta'ala, we will come on to that, but most likely now it will be uh, next week. Uh, with moon sighting issues, I will be scared to single out what I think is odd nights. Okay, so let's just take verse number two. We're, we're nearly done. Verse number two isn't really uh, very long because it's not something which we, we've spoken about the concept of Laylatul Qadr already. So we understand what that means. And the opening 
portion of, of verse number two is also something which we've discussed before, and that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا لَيْلَةُ الْقَدْرِ What will explain to you what that night of glory is. So we've spoken about what مَا أَدْرَاكَ and what that means. We did it in Surah Al-Qari'ah and what it means in terms of when Allah says Al-Qari'ah we said that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as mentioned by Sufyan ibn Uyayna and others and Imam al-Bukhari mentions this in al-Sahih that when Allah in the Quran says Allah will give you the answer to the question right? and when he says what, do you, what will make you know right? which is done in the, in the tense of and how will it be known? How will you come to know? Right? How do you know? How will it become to known to you? Right? So it's not a direct thing, but an indirect way of coming to you. When Allah Azza wa Jal says, "Wa ma yudrika," Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't give the answer to the Quran, uh, to it in the Quran. So when Allah Azza wa Jal says, "Al-Qari'ah, Al-Qari'ah, wa ma adraka Al-Qari'ah," Allah gives the answer, "Yom yakoon al-Nasu," as we saw here. إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا لَيْلَةُ الْقَدْرِ لَيْلَةُ الْقَدْرِ خَيْرٌ مِنَ الْفِشَارِ Allah Azzawajal mentions the night of decree is the one that is better than a thousand months. However, when Allah Azzawajal says, وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ right? وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ Then Allah Azzawajal doesn't give you the answer. وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ لَعَلَّ السَّاعَةَ تَكُونُ قَرِيبًا And what will and what does the word close mean? Because it's been now over 1400 years since the time of the Prophet So Allah doesn't pinpoint the answer. And so we've spoken about this already. So whether it's the Wama Adraka at the beginning of the verse or Laylatul Qadr as we mentioned last week in some detail, it is both something that we have mentioned. So therefore, we don't have much to say except that Ibn Ta'ala said that in this surah, Allah when he says Wama Adraka Ma Laylatul Qadr, Allah does so to show the importance of this night. So again, Allah poses the question to show the significance of the event and that particular night. And Abu Hayyan al-Andalusi also said the same thing, that it is to show the importance of this night and to expand upon its greatness so that we would understand the virtues and rewards that Allah offers on this particular night. So inshallah ta'ala, I think that's a good place to stop there. And the next week, inshallah ta'ala, we can start with Verse number three. Verse number three of Surah Al-Qadr. Any questions before we conclude for today? Why is it Maldi? You talked about the difference in usage, but why? Allah Azza knows best, but what I've uh, come across is the adraka, the, the, the one in the past tense, which is adraka, is because Allah Azza wa will give you the answer. So it's like you've known something, or what will allow you, it's almost as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has prepared the answer for you. So it's in the past tense because it's something which is known. Whereas the yudrika is something which can happen in the future and it's something therefore which is from the knowledge of the unseen that Allah Azza wa wants to keep to himself. And so it's not something which Allah Azza wa wants to uh, wants to let, let, be let known to people and so therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen it to be in that way and Allah Azza knows best that's what I've come across with the past tense is because it's almost as if it is known the answer is known whereas the present future tense is because the answer has, is not yet known to mankind it's not something which Allah Azza has chosen to tell them about what has made you know it is this? Yeah, in, yeah, in the sense that Allah Azza wa asked the question and then he 
will tell you as well. Whereas the وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ The present future tense, Allah asks the question, but not necessarily giving to you. And so it's possible that you can say therefore that the answer to that question is unknown. And so the, the present future tense is because the question remains into the future. It's not something which is answered. Whereas the past tense, because the question will be answered. So even though Allah asks the question, it's no longer a question in that sense because the answer has been given as well. So it's a question that Allah Azza wa has also already answered or provided the answer for. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. How would you translate the word itself? I think that's a good thing for you to research and for others to research as well. I think it would be good uh, to go through the different translations and look at the, the, the verse at the end of Surah Al-Hazab, وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ لَعَلَّ السَّاعَةِ تَكُونُ قَرِيبًا And then a verse like this in Surah Al-Qadr, وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا Al-Qadr And to take like a, a few translations and to see how uh, what the difference is and to see whether people have actually made a difference in the way that is translated and come across in, in the Arabic, in the English uh, in the English language. And if you can go a step further for some of you, those of you that are a bit more familiar with Arabic, I think it would be good to see how that's done in Arabic because the word adra and the word yudri are two different things, right? Two different things. Adra is ma'loom and yudri is majhul. And so it would be good to understand that from that point of view as well. But let's take step one first and then if we need to go to step two, we can do that as well, inshallah. I think that would be beneficial for all of us to do. Okay. Jazakumullah khairan. It's extra challenging for word-to-word translation. I don't know if it's extra. I would have thought it was easier for word-to-word translation because you're not translating it in context, in, in the context of, of, it depends, I suppose, what you mean by word-to-word translation. If you mean literally word-to-word, where you're not worried about the context of the verse, meaning bring into a cohesive sentence, then it's probably easier. But yeah, if you're trying to make it into word-to-word, but at the same time, uh, readable as well then that's probably slightly different so yeah okay but inshallah let's see let's see what we find for that inshallah for next week so inshallah let's stop there jazakumullah khairan and inshallah we'll see you all next week barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh